Hey, all of you out there in Eorzea, welcome to She Heals, I Tank, your not-weekly podcast anymore. We're on a hiatus. Uh, it's your Final Fantasy XIV podcast. Today is Friday, July 9th, and this is episode 256 of the Shit Podcast. I'm your host, Vegan Pete, and with me this week is the amazing Kali, a.k.a. Escalia. How are you doing tonight, Kali? I'm doing wonderful. It's 253 episodes. Holy 56. cow. 56. Don't shortchange me. 256. I'm sorry. I just, I, I, I can't, I struggle to count that high, <laughs> much less, uh, uh, we're like, this is like a completion of a 16-bit episode. This is the awesome. The amazing thing is it's only season one. Exactly. And Endwalker starts season two. Then we're going to do oh my gosh. three more expansions. Are you like dying waiting for Endwalker? <laughs> I need this in my life right now. Uh, I'm kind of enjoying the hiatus, to be honest. Like, all yeah. I'm doing in-game right now is trying to beat the latest raid tier. I'm not doing anything with alts, really. Uh, I do a couple, like, one or two streams during the week where maybe I'm leveling Red Mage. But for the most part, I'm just... We just beat E11S yesterday for the first time. Congratulations. We just cleared E9S. I just joined a raid group a couple weeks ago. And I... I say that knowing full well that last time I was on this show, I said that I would not get back into rating. So, you know, that's how it works out. You put it in the universe, the universe going to screw you. Yep. Every time, every time. Uh, but yes, Avi's still taking uh, advantage of the hiatus. That's why she's not here tonight. We also got a puppy in the hi- hiatus time since we've been off the air. And the puppy has a little bit of social anxiety. Uh, so when we leave, it yells and yelps. And that's why she has to take care of it. Uh, I tried telling her to do the juxta thing of just throwing it in the closet. And uh, apparently she didn't want to do that. Wow. How heartless <laughs> of her. I can't believe she wouldn't go for that. So I did listen to the latest episode of uh, the LBR reunion. Did uh, did hear that. Juxta throwing the pup in the, in the closet. Yeah, that's. I didn't even know Juxta had a dog. I knew Juxta had two cats. Uh, I knew uh, he had a, a cat named Mufilia. Um, and I can't remember the other cat's name, but like, yeah, I did not know he had a dog. Apparently he did, and apparently it lives in the closet, which to be fair, he lived in the closet for a long time, so that's fair. And Has hey, she... I was in the closet for 24 years. <laughs> Boom. Has she tried turning the puppy off and back on again? We have tried that many times. It just reboots, and it's just as loud as ever. Uh, But, Escalia, thank you so much uh, for reaching out to me, first of all, to wanting to do an episode. And I think big news, you're trying to get your stream off the ground. So you wanted to get the word out there. Where can people find you, first of all? Let's, let's yeah let's start with that because yeah this was uh, definitely a case of i reached out to uh people who i knew in the community and asked hey would you mind doing an episode and having me on as a guest because i i'm trying to launch this brand and i have no room for shame right now <laughs> we are going to be shameless about this um so thank you first of all for uh coming off hiatus you were you could have very reasonably said no we're on break but you know hit us up for season two when we come back uh, but I appreciate you coming off hiatus to do this episode. I had and, so uh, much yeah. fun the first time you were on that I could not miss another opportunity of uh, having you on again. So it's an honor to well, have you on. Well, thank you. 
Um, and, and yeah, so uh, a couple weeks ago, my uh, my time with Checkpoint unfortunately came to an end. Uh, I was uh, informed that my services would no longer be required, uh, and I was uh, turned loose. Uh, they uh, let me go out of my non-compete clause and just said, go do whatever you want to go do. And I spent uh, about 48 hours wallowing and trying to decide what I wanted to do next before I realized that I already knew the answer. I knew I just wanted to keep performing that way I had done for years. And uh, yeah, so I, I launched my Twitch channel. I had a Twitch channel, but I actually started, you know, putting some effort into it. And uh, you can find that over at twitch.tv slash Escalia. We're going to be streaming five days a week, uh, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sundays. Um we uh, this whole month is kind of is the build up to like the launch. It's the prologue chapter of the the Twitch channel. We had a amazing fundraiser a week ago where we raised uh, over twenty five hundred dollars for new stream equipment, and you can or in a new set. You can look in the background and see some of the results of that. I wish I could be using the new microphone and the new camera tonight, but I'm having tech issues galore. Uh, so we're on some of the old equipment still. You can have the so best I tech. It will look and sound better. The best tech, there's always going to be issues. It, there's always a degree of IT that has to get done first. But uh, we are we're getting out of the way. You can so you can check that out at twitch.tv slash Escalia. We just made affiliate uh, last week. We've already got five emotes available, which I'm gonna drop in the chat right now for those of you who are cool and watching live. We've got the, the, uh, the grin, the bleh, the heart, the shades, and the thirst. Oops. Well, we're getting three thirsts. Boom. So you reached your goal um, on your fundraiser, but are people still yep. able to go there and uh, donate if they think uh, you're so awesome tonight? They absolutely can. If they want to, I'm going to keep the fundraiser open for just a couple more days, and then I'm just going to switch that tab out, and then you'll it'll just be like every other streamer. It's, you can do donations through Streamlabs. Whatever you feel to be uh, uh, the right way for you, I would appreciate your support. But really the biggest thing that you could do is give me a follow, and uh, maybe if you really uh, tell a friend about it, that would be immensely helpful. Br building that follower base is kind of the biggest thing on the on the path to partner. And if you really dig it, if you think it's that cool, you can always subscribe and become an schedule and get some of those awesome uh, emotes. That's awesome. And are you going to be streaming a lot of fourteen? Yeah, uh, I've, I've uh, you know, when I when I went to Checkpoint, I kind of had to step away from 14, both because I was so utterly burned out on it from my time at Limit Break Radio, and also because, I don't know, let's just say I got pushed back on how much 14 content they there needed to be. Um, so uh, 14 is going to be a mainstay of my channel. At least a couple nights every week will be dedicated probably to 14. Uh, we'll be doing Raid Night. We'll be doing, uh, Sarah and I want to do another playthrough of uh, Shadowbringers live on stream over the next couple months in the build-up to Endwalker. We've got a ton of alts that got to get through. Um, that have to get through Shadowbringers. I've only played it three times so far. I've got to play it at least twice more. <laughs> so that's uh, You're more insane. dedicated than I am, I'll tell you that. Yeah, listen, I, uh, I've i come back a, a pretty strong role player, and uh, the ne necessitating role players uh, uh, requires me to have many alts. So that's that's fun. Fair enough. But uh, yeah, yeah, there'll be FF14 uh, where you do Phasmophobia. Uh, we're, right now we're playing through Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Rumor has it we're going to play Yakuza next. So we've got, uh, there will be other games as well, but 14 will always be a mainstay. Well, that's amazing. 
Uh, on this show, we always like to do the Green Leaf Minute. Avi isn't here to do the little the jingle, so I'll try to do it. Green Leaf Minute. Um, my Green Leaf Minute this week is don't be afraid to change things up because we were stuck on E11S for the longest time. And all it took for us to really get the next step was changing up where we placed our markers. You can get into this thing where you watch one video and you do the markers the way they have it. And for some reason, how they have it set up just doesn't click with your group. All we did was adjust them in a little bit. And then I know for me, at least, I was able to see the ads on the outside of the arena and just be able to help with callouts a little bit better. Uh, so don't get locked into one specific video and the way they do things. For many things in this game, there's many different ways to do to achieve a fight, to beat a fight. So don't get too obsessed locked in on one. Uh, since you've come back to the game, do you have anything like for beginners that you'd like to tell people? Yeah. Um, or maybe I, like I, a, I you're into role would... playing now. If someone wants to get into role playing, maybe something like that. Yeah, I mean, outside of like the basic, like, don't be a creeper. <laughs> uh, uh, a lot of people who do role play understand that there's a, a very wide age range of people who are role players. Uh, so you have your uh, 20-year-olds out there who are in college and maybe have a crazy amount of time to role play. And then you have your 31 going on 32-year-olds who don't have as much time to role play. And uh, listen, if the RP tag is on, feel free to approach me for role play. But if we role played once and now you message me every time I log in wanting to role play again, <laughs> don't do that. Just just give some space. Just remember that not everyone has 20 hours a day. Good to know. Good to know. Well, I think that's uh, staying true to the Greenleaf Minute. We kept it short this week. Now we have the Tweet of the Week. And Avi's not here to be annoyed by that sound effect, but we're going to do it anyways. And this one comes from our guest, Callie, who tweeted, July 9th is a very special day to me. Callie turns seven years old today. Can't believe it's been seven years since the night I came out. Congratulations, Callie. Thank you. Uh, yeah. That, so, yeah, July 9th is, uh, is a very special day to me. Uh, it was July 9th. I guess it would have been 2014 that uh, I sat down in my basement uh, on the Limit Break Radio Twitch channel at about, I think it was 1130 at night, promising a special guest was going to join us. Um, I remember the I had been I had been building up for a few streams uh, that there was a second person in the room who was uh, my producer and basically helped me through everything and helped me create the product or the brand that I was trying to build at the time. Uh, and so we, I promised that they would be unveiled that stream and we turned on the camera and I was there in full makeup and, uh, dressed up for the evening. And, uh, that was, and I introduced myself as Callie on, on the air for the first time, uh, July 9th, 2014. That is so amazing. Congratulations. Once again, thank you. And it has been, uh, it has been a, a wild run since then and of course just in the last year starting hormones and beginning actually transitioning it's been uh it's been an experience and we talked about that a little bit last time you were on so everyone can go back and listen to that uh episode and you're if you're interested in a little bit more about callie um but why don't we get to some news and notes from around the realm 
All right. There's a free login campaign going on right now. 14 days this time. Yet half a month of free play time. I don't know. What is that? Like seven, $7.50 free? Oh, my God. There you go. Uh, started today, and you have until August 23rd at 7, or let's just call it 8 a.m. Pacific time to take advantage. As always, your time starts as soon as you sign in to start patching the game. So plan accordingly. And your service account must have been inactive for at least 30 days. And I always tell well, people no, to take advantage of this. time for patching. It's like as soon as you log in, it like starts patching automatically, and then like your time starts. Then they're like, "You're getting like, thank no God it's not eleven because poll could take like two your fourteen days right there." I know if you're on that PS4 still, it's gonna take a little <laughs> while. Uh, but I I think this is good. I tell a lot of people maybe you're not that into the game right now. You can get a lot done in Final Fantasy 14 in 14 days. Like, you can make up two patches easily in 14 days if you're dedicated. If you're dedicated in 14 days, you can go from 5.0 to 5.5, probably. Yes, that that's a lot of time. But let's say you have a job. You can still get, like, two two patches done. Yeah, absolutely. If, even, even keeping it reasonable, you could probably uh, you could probably get a lot done. Look, someone wants us to be famous. Uh, oh wow! <laughs> uh, also, like maybe you've logged out for a while. You've let it. Uh, you've let your uh, sub lapse. Um, this is a good time to log in and just make sure you keep your house. Yeah. Uh, or uh, follow me on this alternate plan. If you have uh, house number thirty or sixty in the mist on Mateus server, you just. Don't log in and let that house lapse, and I can have it. You heard it here first. Get out of your house. Being evicted. If you're in the mist on Mateus' server in plot 30 or 60. Uh, I think Avi's actually decided to let her house go. She's like, I I can just decorate your house. I'm like, that's a good plan, because my house is freaking barren, and uh, I'm probably not going to get around to decorating it, because that's not my jam. So uh, Sarah and I are living that life now. We uh, we both uh, I have a house, uh, and but it's our house. She helped pay for it, and uh, we are both decorators. We both enjoy decorating. So it has had to be like okay, one person gets the main floor, one person gets the basement, and you decorate your space, and I'll decorate my space. It uh, sounds like you got a large house. No, we have a small, oh, house. small house. Ah, <laughs> oh, that small house life. Yeah, uh, exactly. And then I learned later that the main floor is actually smaller than the basement, so I was kind of like, oh, I got the smaller one to decorate. And Disco Cubs reminding me that I said we were going to decorate my house as the Butts and Bulge Ramen Bar. I'll get get Avi right on that. I'm sure Avi will be all (laughs) about that decoration. Um, So also in the news... Going up right against us. As soon as like we had made this date to do a podcast, uh, <laughs> Square Enix was like, hey, we're going to have our 14-hour broadcast. We're going to go up against She Heals, I Tank. Uh, move on their part. Just pushing us down. Um, so they're going on right now, but right now it's just like the intro part. You guys aren't going to understand any of that. It's all in Japanese. Uh, you can just l- wait for that live letter in about an hour, and then you still won't understand much. You'll just watch the PowerPoint slides later. 
Uh, and but, hope the little tiny descriptions underneath make sense. Yeah, and then and then you go to the uh, Reddit Discord server and wait for the translation. This has got to be, I think, the least anticipated live letter of the year because what on earth are they going to announce at this? Like, like data center travel, probably, but like. Yeah, what like nothing else is getting announced at this i don't think yeah i don't think there's going to be much new information for endwalker uh like no. you said maybe the data transfer whether it's going to be like european to north american data center or not uh i'm i'm crossing my fingers that it is going to be like that that we can really visit any data center but a lot of people have told me differently don't get my hopes up Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, and I would see why they would go that route on it, like, especially for, like, Zadnor and stuff like that. But, like, let's be clear, the cross world is already, uh, I would say the cross world is already held together by duct tape and sticks. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a little nervous to see the data center travel. I'll just say I'm not going to be the first character to uh, data center travel. I'll let someone else uh, try that out. You're afraid you're going to get lost in the aether? character just or snapped lost out on, of existence yeah or lost on ether i don't know <laughs> uh so yeah they're doing the live letter tonight they're doing a game show called how do you like heidelin uh a live q a with yoshida right. on the gaia data center sokin's play-by-play where sokin provides insight and commentary as we take a closer look at background music from 14 uh that's probably one that i would tune in for if i could understand anything that's that's the thing like these like this whole event is in Japanese, and don't get me wrong, it's a beautiful language. I wish I knew it, but I don't. So I'll catch it the the translation later. It seems like for a major like fourteen hour broadcast, maybe get a couple of translators to step in, do some segments. Well, you'd think, given the number of North American players that you have, yeah. you you might you might go for that, but. Apparently, as usual, us in North America, us put upon North Americans are uh, playing second fiddle. Only people worse are the ones from Quebec. They don't even get included in the North American uh, contests. Fuck off, Quebec. Brutal. Wait, in in Quebec, you don't get included (laughs) on the contest? It's always like excluding Quebec. Oh, what? What, What's their problem with French Canada? Because you got French roots. (laughs) Uh, You know what? I answered my own question. Uh, they're going to have a Tales of Adventure where they're going to be joined by special guests who are big fans of Final Fantasy XIV. Amazing. And Hiroyuki... Guests on that aren't big fans. <laughs> yeah, they just bring in people who are just like indifferent on it. Eh, could take it or leave it. <laughs> it's, it's just a bunch of people who've never heard of Final Fantasy XIV and they're like, oh yeah, fine. They're like, this is WoW, right? <laughs> this is that uh, that <laughs> online game that they made the South Park episode, right? Okay. You know, they had the commercials with Vern Troyer in them. Oh, I forgot about <laughs> those. <laughs> uh, dating myself. Uh, they have Hiroyuki versus Yoshi P round nine. Didn't even watch the first eight rounds. Um, don't know who Hiroyuki is, but they're going to talk about a wide range of topics, apparently. Okay. Well, that's. That's what you guys have to look forward to after this podcast. You can go ahead and go over to the Final Fantasy XIV main page. Uh, If you know Japanese, you'll probably love it. If not, wait for the translation. Yeah. All right, Escalia, how do you like the music of Final Fantasy XIV? 
Oh, listen, even in my uh, most critical moments of Final Fantasy XIV, and I know I have had some incredibly critical moments of Final Fantasy XIV over the years, um, the music is one where I have never, I think, been very critical because it's really good. Uh, like, even in Stormblood, where I wasn't a huge fan of the expansion, um, it has some of my favorite songs in it. I actually friggin' love the uh, Alamegan National Anthem, and I love the the story arc of the Garleans, like, perverting it and making their own version of it. I, I dig all that. Um, I love the music of 14, to, to answer your question. Okay, so there is a new soundtrack coming out, Death Until Dawn, Final Fantasy XIV original soundtrack, coming out September 15th gonna feature 84 songs from the patch 5.x series 5.1 to 5.5 you gonna pick that up uh probably uh i'll I'll tell you how they could guarantee that i'd pick it up make it orchestrian roles because i have an addiction i have a problem uh and even admitting it has not proven to be the first step because i have taken no further action to remedy it i love orchestrian roles i am collecting them all i will have them all i refuse to not have them all and is that different from you are you not a collector of other things uh, mounts and minions yeah um i i will get some mounts that i find interesting like i'll like i'm doing the uh i got all the ponies and i'm working on the birds and then i'll get the wolves and you know like i'll do those uh, but yeah, I don't like go out of my way to get mounts, and I definitely don't go out of my way to get minions. I'll I'll see one occasionally where I'm like, oh, that thing's adorable. I need to have that. Uh, but so yeah, mounts and minions not so much. Uh, orchestrian rolls, and I see McLeod in the chat pointing out the pulse rise roll. It is so good. That whole pulse one is just oh my god, outstanding. How about triple triad cards? Uh, n- weirdly <laughs> no. Uh, especially being the huge FF8 geek that I am. Uh, I, I, I started doing triple triad a lot when it came out, I played the heck out of it. And then I think when Stormblood hit, I just stopped. And, uh, what did you think of Mahjong? I don't know if I've ever got your opinion on that. I have, uh, I've not played a game of Mahjong. I don't know how to play Mahjong. Um, so I would have to, uh, I guess I'd have to try it to, to really give a great opinion on it. It was one of those things where it came out and I went, okay. I know everyone was asking for Blitzball or snowboarding. <laughs> Mahjong's an interesting way to go. What's your opinion on Mahjong? I spent many of hours learning Mahjong, got pretty good at it, and just kind of got busy where I don't have enough time to play the matches anymore. Uh, I was going for like that 2000 rating on there, but I think Mahjong is the best mini game in the game. I love it. Well, I will say it has been played for thousands of years. There's probably something to it. I love pretty much all card games. Like if poker was a game in Final Fantasy 14, I'd be at the poker table all day. Yo, Yo <laughs> I uh, I was a big poker player throughout my late high school and college years. I would I would lose my mind with excitement if they threw yeah. Texas Hold'em into into 14 like let us bet that gill baby i've got like 3.5 million that i have nothing to spend on i've got 20 mil that's not mine to spend in a gambling <laughs> problem okay let's just uh or did i say gill i meant mgp I got 3.5 million mgp to spend my uh spend on got no little little no limit hold them going 
Yes. Oh, I'd be all about that. I th- listen from from your lips to Yoshi P's ears, please. And that'd be like the most addictive mini game in there too, man. Yeah, like I feel like they won't, they wouldn't do something like that just because of the gambling aspect of it. But man, do I wish they would. Yeah, I, I know gambling is a big issue in Japan. In some regions, they kind of look down on it, so I don't see that happening. But Mahjong's kind of like a gambling game, and they just took the gambling aspect out of it, I guess. Yeah, well, it's a, gambling is just straight up illegal in Japan. <laughs> I don't think you can really at all. That's why they have those pachinko parlors where you can like win prizes and stuff because you can't bet yen. Yeah, Dark Flex says, uh, give me some blackjack as well. Oh, yeah. I'd be all about that. Thank you for that follow, Volkai. Um, yeah, let's just turn it into an actual casino instead of a Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, exactly. Listen, I, I'm listen. I'm all about Chuck E. Cheese. Like, if there was an adult Chuck E. Cheese, I'd be all about it's called, that. It's called Dave because and Buster's. I'm a geek. What's that? It's called Dave and Buster's. You guys have yeah. that over there? Uh, we do have Dave and Buster's. Uh listen i just want to go somewhere where i can eat the food not vomit oh wait that's not chuck e cheese then huh (laughs) interesting i will i will agree that chuck e cheese is decent because when you have some friends i'm getting as old as i am now that actually have kids and have birthdays Uh there now uh they actually serve beer so i'm all about chuck e cheese you can get beer at chuck e cheese at least when i went last time you could get beer at chuck e cheese it wasn't good beer but it was beer no (laughs) like Anything, but it, like anything that's a step up from like urine in a bucket, I would be like pretty impressed with a Chuck E. Cheese. And thank you for that sub, Bat Kid, gifting a sub to Jafango. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I, I I wish we could get like a legit casino. That's what I wanted from the Golden Saucer. What, uh, again, what are those things? Don't hold my breath. I don't, like even like the the freaking like mini games that you can go play there, like. Like, maybe more people would play Cuff Occur if you could win more than 20 MGP from yeah. it. And they also did it. Now, like, there's n- the most you can lose is, like, one MGP if you just don't play the minigame after you start it. Like, you don't lose money on anything in there anymore. No. Like, not even yeah, the mini Yeah, it's a real interesting butt. business model that they have going yeah. on there. I'm not sure what they sustain on. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense at all. It's like, what's the point? You do your mini cackpot every day, and you're going to have, like, millions of MGP. You do your mini cackpot every day, and you do your weekly cackpot once a week, and you're fine. Just check back in six months. You'll, you'll be good to go. Uh, oh, yeah. But you do get a bonus in-game code item for this uh, sound soundtrack, so maybe you'll get an or- orchestrian role from there. Oh, well, I oh, see now I have to get it. That's see, that's how they, they get me like every time because they're like, yeah, you get an orchestra and roll along with it. I'm like, oh, I still have so many. I got to go buy it in the cash shop because they're all like three bucks. and I got to buy them. Oh, my wife's going to divorce me. Yeah, just do another fundraiser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, see, that's exactly why I can't just like blow copious amounts of money on orchestrian roles because yeah i have an amazing community who has helped fund this incredible studio be like don't sub this month donate to my orchestrian uh fund there you go yeah to to callie's need more orchestrian roles fund yeah so that's a song you're ever gonna listen to no of <laughs> course not that's kind of why i don't go collect them i'm like i'm not staying at my house to listen to them all oh, there are plenty that i will just go jam out to but like 
like, yeah, 95% of them are like, cool, I checked off the space. I don't have to look at a blank space there now. Uh, so, yeah, this first production run edition contains a bonus in-game item code and a bonus physical sleeve case that will be included while supplies last. Got to get that sleeve. Uh, all right, I'll do it. I'll get it. <laughs> Got to put it in that background. All right. Let's get to some discussion. It's been a while since we've had you on the show, Callie. I think the last time was around 5.2 or so. How did you feel from about 5.2 on about how Square Enix brought home Shadowbringers? Sure. Uh, Well, 5.3, I think, will go down as one of the best patch MSQs ever. Um, I mean, Maybe only rivaled by 3.3. The end of the Dragon Song War uh, was obviously stellar. Uh, 5.3 and and the whole sequence with Elidibus, the Warrior of Light, uh, the the end of the uh, the Crystal Exarch story, and the Crystarium, the Crystal Tower on the first, just it's so good from start to finish too on that patch because you get the whole sequence with you and Elidibus going through your uh your history basically everything you've done up to this point and kind of seeing it from from his perspective uh and then you go from there into uh the hero's gauntlet which was a dungeon that i detested because it was so long and everything just took so long to kill in there and i can't figure out why and then um uh, and from there into the final trial which is one of my favorite trial battles that we've had so far 5.3 is stellar it's it's so good. Uh, so I, did... I stack it against like the only things I would rate higher than five point three probably would be five point zero, maybe two point zero, and that might be it. Like five point three is way up there for me. So is that the one that ended with the Warrior of Light fight? Yes, that ended with the Warrior of Light okay. fight and the return to the first for the uh, Scions or to the Source rather. Okay. So now that I'm thinking about that that again, I did like it. I'm not quite as high on the point one, two, three, four, five patches as you guys were when I listened to the LBR uh, episode. Uh, was it last week? Yeah, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Um, but I agree. It was good. I wasn't quite as high on it as you guys. Me personally, well- I think. Square Enix does like the point zero patches so well, like their yeah. initial expansion so well, and they're able. I feel like in the point zero expansion, they're able to tell almost a complete story. Uh, so there's a good beginning, middle, and end, and then the point one, two, three, four, five. Those kind of just drag on to me. Well, and, and and to be clear, like I think five point three is stellar and one of the best they've done 5.1 is uh let's go meet beck lug and find out who's going to be the mayor not too into that one 5.2 uh it had a very cool revelation with um learning how warriors of light are made i thought that was neat but i don't think there's a whole lot to 5.2 uh well again you get some more revelations on like on on okay we can now cure tempered which is a big deal that was actually but probably one was, of my favorite things 
Yeah, it it was cool, but the patch itself to me fell a little flat. And then 5.5 I thought was a flop. I thought 5.5 was just the weakest .5 we've had yet. And that is saying something after 4.5. Like, we had we had 2.55 where we had the Bloody Banquet. Awesome. 3.55, Balesar's Wall and Shinryu. Awesome. 4.55, the final showdown with uh, Xenos and uh, are being called to the to the first. Fine. It was okay. It was decent. And then 5.55 was just a wet fart. Like, like they don't need the big expansion cliffhanger that they've needed in the past because, like, your cliffhanger is that, hey, the story's ending in 6.0. This, this saga of the story ends in 6.0. That's enough of a cliffhanger to get people to play it as is, but, man, 5.55 sucked. Uh, I agree. And, like, previously I was like, okay, Square Enix does the beginning and the end very well and then they kind of dropped the ball on this end of the patch cycle um because i think square enix has a problem with telling that middle part the point one to the point four mostly and i agree point three was uh the best of them i still wasn't as high on it as you all were mm-hmm. um i think um like they have a good time they do well with the point threes because the point three is always the wrap-up of the story from the point zero, like um, the ra- the end of Heaven's Word was defeating Thornton and you know putting Ishgard, uh, letting Ishgard join the um, the Eorzean Alliance. Mm-hmm. But the story, the Dragon Song War, ended in three point three yeah. with the defeat of Nidhogg. Like they get to end those big main story points in the point threes usually, and that's what they did here. Uh, the Scions getting back to the source. And the defeating of the last of the unsundered Asians happens in the point three, and it's a big deal. And I think as he usually does pretty well with those. Yeah, and then like point four is like the beginning steps of setting up the new expansion, and right. Clive's supposed to really set it up. Um, that's actually what I'm most looking forward to for Endwalker is ending this damn saga that started with a Realm Reborn. Because yeah. when did a Realm Reborn start? 20 what 13 13 and how many tv shows can you think of that you've watched for that long and if they were still doing plot lines from season one how long are you going to stick with that show and yeah yoshida has compared it to tv many times with every expansion being a season and i'm like i would have stopped watching that show a long time ago yeah, like uh, Yoshi, uh, I'm excited that Yoshi is going to get to end this story that he has shepherded. Um, I, I, he did he, it, not his story that he conceived because a lot of this story is still left over from 1.0. So this is going to be the conclusion of this story that he has been shepherding now for the better part of a decade, and we get to see in 6.1 where he wants to take the story, what story he finds to be interesting. Uh, And truthfully, I thought if you had asked me last year, like dollars to donuts, I would have bet that Yoshi was going to wrap up his time with the project at 6.0. Of course, now, much like Toriyama is uh, eternally shackled to the desk of Dragon Ball, uh, Yoshi P is going to be eternally shackled to the desk of Final Fantasy fourteen. They're never going to let him out of that room. They're just going to throw gobs of money at him. I, I don't necessarily and, know if he wants to leave it. It seems like no, I don't think he does either. I, I think uh, I think at one time he did. I think around Stormblood he probably did. Um, now I don't think he does. I think he is in it for the long haul. 
And I don't necessarily know if that's a good thing either, because I kind of think you need fresh blood every once in a while. He's done it for this many years, and I, I'm I kind of need a change. Like that's why I'm really excited for six point one. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to see what the new story is going to be. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I think we have gotten some changes over the years. Like we've seen new writers come in and and really take over. Obviously, um, the current writer whose name is uh, escaping me. Jesus, criminy. Um, is it a uh, Bannery Oda? Uh, no, I'm thinking of a uh, Natsuki. Um, the, she wrote uh, Binding Coil and then Shadowbringers. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, obviously, getting to see them really come into their own and, and be able to write the main expansions, and we get Shadowbringers, which is probably their best expansion. Uh, I'll say this. Shadowbringers bought that whole team a lot of goodwill, yeah. so they definitely get to take a chance at Endwalker and see how they wrap up the story and see what starts new. But I'm with you. If if their plan going into 6.1 is just more of the same, even if it's just a new coat of paint— yeah, I need a little bit more on the changeover. I'm ready for this saga to come to an end. I'm ready to see what the next phase of Final Fantasy XIV is gonna lo- gonna look like. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm very interested to see because I'm telling you, somehow, some way, this is gonna tie into eleven. I don't know if it'll be in fourteen, <laughs> but they're about to do something big with eleven, okay. and I can't figure out what it is. It's driving me nuts. Uh, I've got the. I really don't want that. I know. I, I don't know that I want it either. <laughs> I just want. I just. Like they're they're getting ready to do something big, and I'm I'm like trying to connect the dots. I've got my big board here in the background. I just I, I can't figure it out what what they're gonna do, and it's I driving re- me nuts. I really don't like when they tie it into old Final Fantasy games because I haven't played a lot of them, and I'm like, it has to be good on its own. You can't depend on people getting nostalgia from other games when you do yeah. something. Make it good on its own. I think Volkai in chat uh, has a good point. Is Endwalker our Avengers movie or our Avengers Endgame movie? I'm hoping it's Endgame. Yeah, I'm hoping and I believe it is our our Endgame. I think our Avengers, like our first uh, Avengers was the expansion, was Heavensward. I think that was Avengers. And then Stormblood was Age of Ultron. And uh, now Shadowbringers is um, uh, Infinity War. And now this one is going to be, uh, Endgame will be Endwalker. So, uh, yeah, I think this is going to be the wrap-up of Saga 1, where we end the Heidelin Zodiac arc and uh, move on to probably Dravanians, I'm assuming, where the Omega story is going to come back and play into it and take us in a whole new direction, maybe to a new planet. I don't know. <sighs> new planet's going to feel a little bit derivative. Uh, <laughs> it is. They might just do Dravania and let us explore that more. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, sticking with Kai's analogy of the movies, is there a Iron Man equivalent in fourteen or a Captain American, Captain America equivalent, where uh, maybe two characters get uh, taken off the board? Oh yeah. I I listen. I've said since the beginning that this is war ultimately what we have is war between Eorzea and Garlemald, war between Heidelin and Zodiac, war between the Scions and the Asians. And the unfortunate truth of war stories is a well-told war story. Not everybody makes it to the end. Um, I do believe a couple people uh, that we have grown to love that, and some 
very much love uh, are not going to be present going into uh, 6.1 and into this next story. My personal predictions is that uh, Thancred, Urianje, and probably Ishtola, maybe Graha, are all going to get the axe and then Walker. Mm. I would love to see it. I don't think we're going to see it. Uh, I thought... Gaius was going to go off the table with that latest storyline with all the emerald and diamond weapon stuff. Um, How do you feel about that? Uh, I was pretty disappointed. Um, really? Uh, I was disappointed that Gaius and his daughter lived. Um, yeah. It kind of just felt like nothing happened in the end. Uh, wow. Okay, that's interesting. Because I, th- I felt like he did lose four children. Like, that's pretty yeah, rough. Yeah, but we didn't really have that much attachment to him. Like, he never told us about, like, oh, my God, I miss my kids or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like they they sprinkled in the breadcrumbs to make us care about that along the way. Um, I hated well, the big bad Lord Farquaad, I called him, because he looked like the guy from Shrek. Yeah. Um. The big bad was definitely weak. I will say, um, in terms of who we lost, uh, I I appreciated that they didn't make it so much Gaius's loss as the girl's loss. Like she was the one who suffered losing her siblings, uh, and it did traumatize her, as it should traumatize somebody like that. Um, I I came out of that story actually pretty happy with it. Um, I. Square Enix has a long, sad history of failing to do redemption arcs, and this is one that I thought they did pretty decent with as far as redemption arcs go. Um, so my but... favorite redemption arc is for Dola. That's the one right off the bat. <laughs> I'm not a Fordola fan. I can't believe they're redeeming her. I love her. You think she's less redeemable than Gaius? Gaius no, literally think... had these people under subjugation, and now they're going to pick him to rebuild their city? That's the most ridiculous yeah. thing I've ever heard. I, I think, um, I think, frankly, truthfully, they're both beyond redemption. <laughs> like, you had both of them committing a lot of war crimes. Like, at the end of the day, like, when we think of Star Wars, right, Darth Vader, the reason he didn't survive in Episode Six, the reason he had to die was so that we don't have to explain why when he goes back to the Rebels, they all just go, uh, murder that person. Like, because it, it makes no sense. I think both of them really needed to just die. But if you're going to do a redemption arc, I liked Gaius's more. I genuinely felt like Gaius felt bad versus Fordola, who's just like, eh. I feel Whatever. like if they would have given us more like in game for Dola, it would have been better. I think like the short yeah. the short story that they gave us outside of the game was really good with Fordola. Like mm-hmm. that that could have been a comic. Like I wish they would release comic books of short stories for Final Fantasy fourteen. Uh I think it would add so much to the lore. Um so I'm a, I'm a big Fordola fan. She was one of my favorite characters from Shadowbringers. I thought there was a lot of depth to her. Um maybe my mvp of stormblood i know stormblood's not a uh on everyone's top of the list i didn't hate stormblood as much as other people did i thought the only problem with stormblood was they kind of forgot alamigo and went right on to kugani yeah the like it was supposed to be a split story between the two and it really felt more like doma's story than it did alamigo's and you build it as alamigo's story um 
but yeah, I I, I liked a, a couple of the people in in there. Like I liked Fordo a lot. I just didn't like that she got redeemed. Uh, and I liked Sukiyomi a lot. Like I uh, I thought they were both interesting characters. Um, I think the Scions in in six point one going forward, we're looking at something like Alphano, Alice, um. Estinian, Fordola, Aaronvald, and I don't know. Pick pick your current scion that you want to have survive into the next one. Like, uh, I think that's probably what we're going to look at as a new crop of scions that uh, have to you know step up and learn to be heroes in the ways that the prior oh, prior ones were. Yeah. Thank you for that follow. Um, I'd like to see Yushtola kind of go into a role that Minfilia had kind of just like the leader of everything. I don't need her involved in every major storyline or anything like that. Kind of one, kind of the person that's kind of trying to keep everything together. I never hated Minfilia as much as some people gave her hate for doing nothing as a lot of people like to say. I'm like you have to have a leader who's not going to be out there all the time. Right. Uh well and it, it's worth remembering like it's it's been fun to actually see the scions do something because in prior expansions, they really don't do a whole lot. Like I thought Shadowbringers was the first time we really got a story that let them be themselves and let them be integral and interesting and, and really part of the story. Like usually in the past you would get like, okay, this is the lease expansion where we're going to learn about her and she's going to be important. Or the one before it. It was Alphano's expansion very much. Um, and then in, in Shadowbringers, though, everyone really got to be a big part of the story. Right down to the final boss encounter where for once the Scions actually show up yeah. and help and do something. It was awesome. Like, yeah, that I, was And now, cool. now you've set it up so that when they die, there's going to be some punch to it. Yeah. There's going to, like, I said it on the LBR episode. If they want to make Xenos a villain, have Xenos kill one of them unceremoniously have have him show up challenge us to a fight we say no because he's a psychopath and he throws thankard's head at us and now it's on okay fine i guess we're gonna fight now you know that's not gonna happen <laughs> no I'm, like especially not like that like that's if, if i was in charge that's how it would happen and this game would probably go under really quickly because i just murder everybody but like if they could find the guts to really, really murder somebody and really make it impactful and let Xenos be the villain that they want him to be. They want him to be a big bad. They want him to be someone that uh, that we all think of as, as like one of the great Final Fantasy villains. But you have to do something. Like, if Sephiroth doesn't murder Aerith, he's not remembered as, as such a great villain. Like, he, like, if he doesn't murder Aerith, we remember him the way we remember Ultimessia okay um i agree with you i agree that they should have made him a big bad in 4.0 and not continued him into 5.0 uh no i've i've just had to accept that though like (laughs) i i i I didn't get my wish there so now i just have to live with it uh and fan daniel was one of the worst big bads ever um i wish neither of them were going into 6.0 and we had something totally new uh, yeah, I want to know who was on the writing decision of uh, having Fan Daniel show up and be like, don't bother looking into my backstory for something deeper. It is not there. I'm just crazy, and I want to watch the world burn. I saw The Dark Knight recently. Wasn't the Joker cool? It was that, and I felt like 
they were like, oh, everyone liked Emmett Selk. And I thought they tried giving him some of the same mannerisms of Emmett Selk. I'm like, yeah, you're going back to the well and it's not really working out. It, you, you've you got it exactly on though, right? Like they, they saw how people reacted to Xenos and then they saw how people reacted to Emmett Selk, who was interesting versus Xenos, who was bland yeah. and boring. Uh, and they thought, okay, that's the character arc that people like. And it felt like like any sequel to a movie from the 90s where it's like, it, you know what it was? It was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 where they're like, all right, we're going to take all the funny, wacky bits of TMNT 1 and we're going to make a sequel movie and it's just going to be all the funny stuff. Is that Secret and it's of a the lesser Ooze? movie. Secret of the Ooze, yep. Nice. Um, another thing I'd like for Yishtola is to find our way back to the first and then she's just like, bye, I'm going to go hang out with Runar all the time now. You're a you're a you're a Yishtola Runar shipper, are yes. you? I think she should have ditched us. Just stayed over there. We'll find a way to get your body back. Yishtola is going to have a different love interest <laughs> in every expansion going forward, and is not going to get with any of them. I am convinced it was the, it was Magni in Stormblood. It's it's Runar in this one. It's going to be someone else that she's just going to dunk on in the next expansion. So she's it's going to be portion over all I know. She's just bait for the player. The player wants her. She, did you see the the tweet the other day uh the the incorrect final fantasy quotes where uh Mag, it's magni asking can i have your number and it's uh it's yestola visibly texting i don't have a phone <laughs> i i did not see yestola. that but uh yeah makes sense uh but yeah i'm definitely a yestola and runar shipper i think yestola is our first uh asexual character in this game and uh i'm i'm into it i i love her i think that was xenosexually yeah, listen, well, Xenos has a boner okay. for murder. Xenos is know. definitely a virgin. That's been canon on this show for a really long time. Um, I don't know what that ass going on. That, yeah, know. that's why he's just so mad all the time. He's an incel. I don't even know if he is mad. He's just bored all the time. He, but he is definitely like what an incel thinks a good villain is. Yeah. And he's like, oh, we need our... We need a fight one-on-one. I'm like, bitch, we already beat you. Like, you come find me. Why am I going to go find you? I've already kicked your ass. Yeah, you, I've already beaten you three times. You're the challenger. Do you not forget when we were on top with all the flowers and I slit your throat? Like, Yeah. Listen, again, they're going like, to have to play it up where he's like, aha, you've beaten me once and I've beaten you once. And it's like, okay, you beat me when I literally got my soul pulled over to another dimension in front of you and I fell down. Like, it doesn't count. Yeah. To me, I'm just like, I'm the champion. You're the challenger. You find me, motherfucker. That's what I mean. They need to let Xenos do something that when he does show up to challenge us, our character doesn't just very reasonably go, no, you're a psychopath. Get away from me, weirdo. We need to return to the Waking Sands and have Tataro's head on a stick. Holy crap. <laughs> and as I mean, like if, if we went back to the Waking Sands or back to the Rising Stones or wherever it happens to be, and we go in there and there's a bloodbath inside, and it's just like... Oh my god, someone came here and murdered half the Scions. Okay, I'm ready to fight now. Like, All right, you may be a bland, uninteresting jerk, but it's time to fight. Yeah, then I would track him down. You kill our bookkeeper, Tataru, our, our tailor, Tataru, we're going to yeah. go track you down. There's, I'll tell you, there's like universally, I feel like, people are like, I loved, they love Tataru. Of all the scions of the, where people are like, you can hurt anyone else, but if you touch 
Tataru, there will be death. It's Graha and Tataru. They're the only two that I know that are like that. Let's throw Kryle up there, too. Kryle has a pretty good fan base. Yeah, she does. And she already had her in danger moment, too. That was four point. Oh, 4.0, right? Yeah, 4.0. And if they put a Alpha No's head on a stake, I'd be like, did us a favor. Not an I... Alpha No fan. I'm going back and forth on whether I want both both twins to survive. I'm into... fine with Alice. Alpha No, I want yeah. gone. Is are you fine with Alice because she's definitely into the Warrior of Light? She's definitely not as annoying. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> uh, she is one of two characters in this game who is definitely Warrior of Light sexual. I agree. Yeah, for sure. She's got the hots. She definitely does, and it's like it's awkward because she's like 17 at best. <laughs> yeah. That's a little awkward. Yeah, it's super awkward. Because of that. That's one thing I hope for 6.1 is they age them up. I hope we have adult Alphano and Alice uh, as part of the Scions in 6.1 and onward. That's actually a really good point that I had been thinking of. I would not mind like a 10-year time jump from 6.0 to 6.1. Think of how much good a 5-year time jump did them from 1.0 to 2.0. If they did another five years, like the 6.1 was literally it, 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 the, the game wraps up credits after credit sequence five years later. And it shows the, the, the new scion order, whoever the or, uh, signs of the seventh dawn are now or signs of the eighth dawn, as it may well be by the time we get to 6.1. Um, how cool would that be if we if we get to see things five years in the future and now all the role players out there get to explain what their character has been doing for five <laughs> years. I get to advance my character so much. I'd be so excited. That would be cool. I never thought about that point. Well, uh, I would love it. Like, cause that is one of the hard things, right? Like we, we don't ever get a good sense of how long each of these expansions takes. That's been another uh, complaint of mine. How long? Yeah, exactly. How long has it been since the bloody banquet right now? Like, has it been? Because in real life, it's been five, six yeah. years since then. But it could be two months. So, Who knows? Exactly. <laughs> For all we know, like, it's been a week. Yeah, totally agree with you on that. Um, so going into 6.1, who do you think of the Scions might not make it realistically? Realistically, I mean, yeah, obviously I would, I would kill half of them. But, like, uh, realistically... I think you have a couple of prime candidates for death. Uh, I think Thancred has about reached the end of his story and the end of his pathos. He's made peace with uh, Minfilia's passing. We've seen him really emerge like a father figure to Reen. Um, I, I think he's a prime candidate. I think Uriange's already got to have like two secret betrayal stories, so I don't know how much more he's got in the tank. Um, I think for shock value, it would be Graha, but realistically, I think Graha will become the role of Uriange in the next incarnation of the Scions. I think he'll be our kind of wise, stagely person, even, even and like that five-year time jump might do him a, uh, a boon too. He won't be as much of a dork. Um, so I think, yeah, I think Thancred and Uriange are probably my number one and number two for likelihood to perish. So I'm right there with you on Thancred. He's definitely at the top of my list on people I can realistically see uh, not making it to 6.1. And the other one I think is Alphano for a, a lot of the same reasons. I think when we finally succeed in everything, he's kind of completed his journey. And depending on how 6.0 goes with his father, I think 
I don't think his father is going to be as much of a dick as he was in 5.55. I agree. Uh, so, I think we're being set up for that guy to actually be a hero. Yeah, and so how his death is going to affect Alice, how his death is going to affect his father and the rest of the Scions, I kind of think that's how it's going to like complete his vision that they so des- that they so desperately wanted us to know in five point five five. I think it's going to be the opposite. Alice, I think Alice is of the two. I think because of that vision, because of they spent so much time in five point. Uh, four and five point five, talking about Ali's or uh, Alphano, uh, and the Warrior of Light too, about how our, our our idealized vision of the world, about how we want to live in this world where um, you can make the right choice. Astinian talks about how he can't do it; he has to live in this world of reality. But he respects that Alphano always holds the ideal, always holds the we can we can we can be better than that. We can make the right choice, and I think if you're going to take that stance then in 6.0, you have to really test that stance. I think you need to put Alphano on the brink of saying, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe not. And it might come at the cost of Ali say. I kind of feel like we've kind of done that before. He second-guessed himself. Um, but, like, if Alice say did go, then I want, like, a real dark Alphano. Like, I want him to feel real guilty. I want him to become an alcoholic. He's not going to get much done. Oh my gosh. You want it to go real dark. <laughs> yeah. He's not yeah, I, he's I not going to be able to I kill. think we're going to we're going to see the warrior of lights uh Alphano is the surrogate for it, but I think it's really going to be the warrior of lights ultimately peaceful nature despite the fact that we are incredibly violent in what we do. Ultimately, um we are peaceful when we can be i actually wrote a villain that i've been using with my warrior of light lately that talks about my uh the warrior of light and how um they are not beyond a measure of control they don't kill when they don't have to they don't raise the land that they attack they don't uh you know they don't do anything that is irreparable to the they just help their own people and to that end they're not beyond a measure of control i think we are going to see that motto tested in 6.0 and i really want it to be yeah i agree i like that um dark flex says i think their father is actually going to be the one to die he's going to be an asshole the whole time but end up having a change of heart at the end and sacrificing himself for his kids uh that's the theory that's definitely uh, in the score enix vein yeah it absolutely could be i heard the theory that uh the the reason the twins were disowned is so that they can continue to pursue uh what they're doing because they don't have the name attaching them back to uh Charlayan anymore and i could see them going that route where it was like yes i disowned you but it was to help you and that's why he actually came to Aorzia cuz they say like if you're just going to come to say no you could have just sent a a message like yeah. you didn't have to actually come here for that but maybe he came to disown Alpha no, and Ali said that was the actual intention of his uh, trip. And I could see that too. I don't know that I'd like it, but I could see it. Yeah. I could also see, like, if Alice did die, then Alpha no goes, like, back around to the thinking that his father is, where it's just non intervention. Man, that would be something if after six expansions, or five, or six patches, rather, Alpha no is one who like goes the other way he doesn't make it to the other side unscathed because to me like so much of this story has built around him since since 
what four? When does he found the crystal braze? When does that happen? Basically, Very the story early. has been his since then. Um, I'd be shocked, yeah, to find him like fall short at the finish line and kind of become a fallen character in six point one. I'd be shocked. Oh, well, I guess the one of the real questions is: is this story? Are they just going to make it a happy ending? Yes and no. I think uh, to an extent, yes, because it is the it, like much like Endgame, it is the conclusion of a saga, um, and so you have to end the story in a at least satisfying way. Uh, I don't know that it necessarily has to be happy, but knowing Square Enix, it will be. I would imagine it will be a happier ending. Uh, that will leave us with some interest. Like we have, to, it, it has to end in a way that we feel good about moving five years into the future or, or another jump in time. Because I don't think we can just have the story again pick up, you know, six months down the line, and, and we're just right back at it. I'm still trying to figure out how they're going to depower us because we cannot be a god slayer going back to the beginning of a story. You have to end a story as a god slayer. You can't start there. It, it's going to be difficult. Um... I do kind of miss like a little bit of the political stuff from the 2.0. Like I love Lola Rito just like fucking around. <laughs> uh, yeah. I wish we would have a little more of that. Um, and, and you're right though. We can't do that right now because uh -huh. it as it is sense. right now, we kill gods on the regs. We could just show up and be like, Lola Rito, knock it off or I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And there's, and like, it doesn't matter how many soldiers you have. I can handle it. Stop it. And like Dark Flux says, I hope it's bittersweet to an extent. If they could make me feel how I felt at the end of Endgame, where it's like, yeah, we defeated the big bad, but we lot this is what we lost while doing it. Uh, because was anyone really happy at the end of Endgame? Like that's pretty sad ending. That like for a Disney movie, that's pretty dark. Uh. <laughs> like when your movie ends on a funeral sequence, and uh, and then Cap handing over the shield, yeah, like. You, you, we do need to have consequence. I don't know that we need to have like bittersweetness or what, whatever you want to call it. Like it needs to be consequence. You yeah. cannot tell me five expansions worth of a war story and have me get to the end and it's all sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. There, there has to be consequence somewhere. I have to have lost something, whether that's an ally or whether that is maybe to an extent our own moral center where we had to compromise ourselves to get to the end of the story you could you could have that you could it could be like a loss of innocence for the warrior of light mm -hmm. that would be interesting there's so many interesting things you could do with it uh, it just can't be sunshine and rainbows it that, has to be more of it that's what i thought we were going to have in the 5.x series was the warrior of light having hard decisions to make Nope. Uh, and I don't feel like he did at all. Um, it was, they called it the warrior of darkness. It was the same as the warrior of light, like the same thing we've been the whole time. Yeah. They uh, like, I liked the, the inversion of it where we were, you know, we, we brought uh, it darkness made back to land again through our manipulation of light because we're very good. It does make sense. We're not one of Zodiac's uh, spawn. We are Heidelin spawn and probably tempered by her. But, um, yeah, I, I would have liked a little bit more of the moral questioning. What we got in Shadowbringers, though, was dealing with the Warrior of Light's mortality. And that was fascinating. Like, 
it was so nice to not just be referred to as an omnipotent being <laughs> that solves every problem the moment she walks on the scene. The moment we're there, the problem's over because guess what? We can handle it. Yeah. Watching the sequence, I rewatched it just the other day, the, the sequence after you beat Vaugh 3 uh, of the light overtaking you, light again plaguing the land, Emmett Selk in the betrayal, and I'm like, this is such a good scene that mm-hmm. really did make me go, oh, all right, Emmett Selk, I really did like you, but I guess it's on now. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Um, let's see. Confident if the star of the dragons came from will tie into 6.1 plus story, and I won't be shocked if 7.0 sends us there. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I, I would think so. Uh, I Like, one of the few things that was recommended to us outside of, you know, play everything like they always say, but, like, the Omega story was singled out as one you should go back and play before uh, 6.0. So I would assume that since that does end on a pretty open note, that that is going to come into play eventually, maybe in the 6.1 story. We also know a lot of the, what the uh, the Dravanians and Midgard Somers brood was more of Yoshi's influence on the story when he joined on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I could see that being we, a big part of it. We definitely had more of that at the end of this expansion. Yeah, exactly. We saw uh, uh, Tiamat for the mm-hmm. first time. And uh, now we've already seen in the trailer that Vertra is going to be involved, which was the last of the brood that we hadn't heard about yet. All right. So big question, is Yishtola going to get stuck in the Aether Stream for the third time? You can't. You cannot do it (laughs) a third time. You already can't do it twice. Like, doing it twice was ridiculous. Like, the fact that we did that same trick, and Emmett Selk even, like, uh, lampshades, and he calls it out immediately, where it's like, like, oh, yeah, that'd be a lot of time. What if I just bring her back immediately? Like, okay, great. We don't have to go through, like, a whole quest and then go to the anti-tower to figure out how to get Yishtola back this time. He, he'll he just snap his fingers and return her. And great, she's naked again. Another excuse to see her without clothes on. Um, uh, Avi got so much shit because she made a joke that Yishtola dies when it, that part happened on a podcast. And then people were like, they would get to that part of the story and think that she spoiled it that she's like actually dead and she got like hate mail for that <laughs> listen yashola dies every expansion like that's just and that's what the, the joke was because she she dies uh she gets life streamed at the bloody banquet and we get her back in heaven's ward she has her fake death against xenos when uh Roger's reach gets stacked in 4.0 and then yeah she does another life stream jump in 5.0 so no i listen if Yishtola dies again, it has to take. <laughs> That's my proclamation. You cannot have her die again and have it not take. My prediction, she finally dies in 9.0. In, in 9? <laughs> does she die? Does she fake die in all the expansions yeah. leading up one, to 9.0? One death per expansion up until then. <laughs> okay. All right. Listen, if they make a nine lives joke, I'll, I'll, I'll get behind it. Ah. <sighs> So I guess, but then, but then, Thancred has to survive so that he can make that nine live joke <laughs> because he's the only one who would. Is that true? Is that the only Joker in the group? I feel like he's the only one who would have the balls to say it in that moment. <laughs> like everyone else would just be like quiet and mortified and sorrowful and mournful, and uh, he'd be like, "Well, I suppose she always did have nine lives." That's and it. We just all look at him like, dude, Thancred. It's gonna be the CSI of Miami. I guess her nine lives are up puts the sunglasses oh on <laughs> warrior of lights the, the, just like Mark we, we've been meme. at this too long i feel like we've been at this too long <laughs> uh, 
So what was your what's your favorite moment in uh, Shadowbringers in uh, 5.0? Probably the very first like part of it where uh, the woman who was like caring for the children actually died. Tesline. Yeah, Tesline. And I was like, holy shit, this is what this is how it's starting. This is what we're going to get. It's finally going to be freaking dark. And then I'm like, well, you fucking lied to me. Uh, Tesline was uh, that was the most shocking moment I think the game has ever had because they don't usually do like graphical body horror mm-hmm. like that. Like that was so different. Um, and it was great. Like I loved that moment. And we kind of got a little bit more of that uh, uh, leading into the Titania fight. And then the Titania fight was like the complete opposite of all the build up to it. Um, but I, like there was, there was a lot of good dark moments that they weren't like, visually dark like that but i i think about the moment um uh in the fight at lakeland when uh ardbert is trying to save the two people that are helping each other and there's a a sin eater approaching them and he's trying to like he's trying he takes his axe out and swings through them and is trying to warn them and just has to watch as they get butchered and it's like oh my god that was pretty brutal when you want to like step in and help like that and you're just physically impossible to do uh, that was that was pretty bad. Well, that, really awesome. that was the good, warrior of light. Like bad. we know, like what they're what Ardbert is feeling in that moment. Yeah. Um, that said, the best part of five point oh is uh is is Thancred's great quips when you're when you're <laughs> a jackass because Thancred has some great lines. He does five point oh. Um, but yeah, uh, but like when they set that up with Tesline, I was expecting overall a much darker story. And yeah. that's kind of what I wanted. I wanted the warrior of light to have some hard decisions to make. And we didn't really get that. Um, overall, I really enjoyed it. I don't want people to think like I didn't enjoy it. In my opinion, it was the best expansion that it's had. Uh, yeah. As I really enjoyed 2.0, but I, I guess we don't really consider 2.0 an expansion. We kind of just like consider that the game. Um, Main story. Yeah. Um, the, but the 2.x is those are way down on my list. <laughs> Yeah, um, the point X is in, in Shadowbringers outside of point three, which I think is is stellar. Uh, the point X is our weak. Uh, like I say, five point one and five point five, I think, are especially egregious. Uh, so it looks like chat is saying that in the in the fourteen hour broadcast right now, they have shown off the official benchmark. So that will be interesting okay. to see if you're able to maybe play. What did they add? The the male bunnies. I wonder if that's going to be one of the options you can play oh, with. God. I'm not going to be able to go into the quicksand anymore. I'm just <laughs> I'm just not. Like I can't go into the quicksand on stream. There's going to be a bunny boy getting reamed over a table. <laughs> um. So that would be cool because that's like one of the biggest things when they announced male Vieira was: is it going to be taller or shorter than the female Vieira? And people were going all CSI on it, trying to do, like, geometry to figure out how tall they were going to be. Uh, I would think we would just have to look to their real-life counterparts, right? I think I believe jacks are bigger than uh, female rabbits, aren't they? Uh, I believe rabbits are one of the few uh, creatures that it's, like, dysmorphic, where the females are bigger than the males. Really? I may not be 100% on that, but that's what I thought I remembered hearing. Let's see what Google has to say about it. Females uh, of many species develop a. Okay, I don't want to read that out loud. <laughs> Just want to know which one's bigger. 
But I, I was hoping for a uh, Lala-sized male Vieira, to be honest. You want it to be tiny? Yeah. I'd be uh, I'd be into it. From what I hear, the, okay. ratio, the ratio of the female to male is like really on the side of females. So like you're getting all the ladies anyways. So might as well be happy you're yeah. small. Listen, my my Discord server is uh is eagerly awaiting the arrival of uh of bunny boys. So I would say I would just say brace yourselves, uh, especially if you're in the role play community, for a sudden uh shift because they're not supposed to be very many jacks, but I have a feeling we're about to see very many of them. Did you find the answer? I did not. I, I cannot that. figure out if a All right, chat, uh, let's figure it out. You guys yeah. Google it. All right, so there has been an increase in player base for Final Fantasy XIV. There's been more media focus on Final Fantasy XIV. So I guess my last question about like Final Fantasy XIV directly is, is Endwalker the most important expansion they've had so far, not including A Realm Reborn? Because obviously that was the reboot of the game. Right. Um, so I think basically... Oh, man, there's a lot of expansions that uh, you have to compare it to. So Heaven's Word was very important because it was their first, what I consider their first expansion. I don't call 2.0 an expansion. Uh, Heaven's Word was their first uh, expansion. They had to follow up on the Bloody Banquet, which they f completely flopped on, in my opinion. Uh, but it was nevertheless an important expansion to show that they could do it. That like the that 2.0 wasn't a one-off. That it that you know like that it wasn't going to be the exception to 1.0 and 3.0, which would maybe have been terrible. I think that was good. Uh, Shadowbringers had a lot to prove after Stormblood. I feel like uh, 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 player base was uh, depressed somewhat, uh, and they Shadowbringers has made this game probably the biggest MMO in the world right now uh, on the back of its success. Uh, and I think it has bought a lot of goodwill from fans new and old. So I think Shadowbringers has been incredibly important. And I mean, it brought me back to the game. So and I was as burned out as you could possibly be. <laughs> and uh, but 6.0. Yeah, it's going to be the end of a, of a story that they promised from the beginning. Like they like it is the wrap up of the Garleans, which have been our antagonists since the earliest days of, of 1.0. Um, it's going to be the wrap-up of the Asians, most likely. Uh, I'm assuming we're going to uh, discover the end of that and the Zodiac and Heidelin story, which has fueled the entirety of Final Fantasy XIV so far. I don't know how you argue that Endwalker is not the most important expansion ever that they've done. Yeah, I think so as well. And just with like the critical acclaim that they've gotten, like... Mm -hmm. there's so many videos on YouTube right now about... Uh, wow veteran playing final fantasy 14 for the first time like so many more oh people are trying the game i watched one of those videos by the way and that's all i got in my recommendations for like three months i had to like go like don't recommend this to me don't recommend this to me i'll never watch another one again uh yeah uh yeah i i, I don't see how you could argue like that and Walker's not the biggest expansion that they've done. It has to be right. Like if, if it, if it ends up not being that they done goofed, not necessarily the biggest, but like the most important. Right. And I think I, I would be more nervous as Yoshida for this one than probably any other one. Sans a realm reborn. I think by the time we get to the press tour in, uh, it'll probably be September uh, October ish, when we start getting into the press tour, we're gonna start seeing Yoshida looking very tired and very thin. 
I'm also not going to be surprised if it gets a delay. I know we're already in a long lull for it, but just yeah. with COVID um, and just like the pressure that's going to be on to really hit it because if, yeah. if it's not good at beginning, uh, it's going to look bad on them. Yeah, I don't know that we'll get a delay. I, d I don't know. I feel like they have been very conservative with COVID. I hope so. Um, yeah, I mean, like we had the long delay. What was it between uh, 5.2 and 5.3? Um, but we knew that was going to happen. They were upfront about it from the beginning. And then everything stayed on schedule. And now we're getting – we're like November is already a very delayed release of the new expansion. Usually it comes out at the end of June or the beginning of July. Um I feel like they, they put it back to November to accommodate for what is going on and what the current state of things are in Japan. And maybe that's just me being hopeful because I don't want to wait longer than November. Like, November's already forever away. I cannot wait. That for this is why we took a hiatus because I was like, I don't know what we're going to talk about for six months when there's not going like, to be much information coming out. Yeah, like like uh, Aniro and them, they all announced that they're going to be uh, reopening their Patreon, and they're going to be trying to bring back doing episodes of Living Break Radio. But they said that for even for them, like even when we bring it back, none of that stuff goes into effect until Endwalker gets here because they don't <laughs> want to try and do weekly episodes or or monthly episodes even until there's regular content. No one wants to do it in the lull period, and I don't blame them. All right, so let's move on to one thing that created some buzz in the Final Fantasy XIV community. Oh boy. Which was their latest collaboration, which was with Twitch. Uh, the incentive to take part in this collaboration was the Fat Black Chocobo. Uh, to get it, you needed to give four gift subs on a Twitch channel. Uh, but of course, since it's a 14 club, gift subs had to be to a Final Fantasy XIV streamer. But not just any Final Fantasy XIV streamer. It had to be yeah. from one of Square Enix's pre-approved eligible streamers. Then you could do gift subs in their channel to get the Black Chocobo. This made some people very happy, namely the people on the list. And I also saw a fair bit of saltiness on Twitter, some people that felt slighted. And But I think the more valid reason that which you guys touched on in your episode was... Kind of the same problem the Oscars had a while ago, which was Final Fantasy So White. A lot of people who look like you and me. Yeah. Um, yeah, listen, I, I uh, obviously I've had a lot of time to think about this now, and uh, I, I don't know that my opinion has changed a whole lot on it. Um, the, the list that they put out, I thought um, definitely could have looked a lot more diverse than it did. Um, I think it could have been a very a life changing experience for a lot of streamers, and instead, a lot of streamers that got it didn't need it, even if it was very good for them. I mean, like people made tens of thousands of dollars, and I'm never gonna say don't make that bread, yeah. get that bread, whatever it takes, do it. Um, but yeah, there's there's so many talented Final Fantasy 14 streamers out there that this would have changed their life, that this could have been the difference between them doing it as a hobby and them making a career out of it, uh, that it could have been the difference between them doing it on their old equipment or being able to buy new, fresh equipment and yeah. doing something even greater or more impressive uh, to benefit the community. And instead, 
uh, it, they picked, you know, their, the greatest hit streamers that we uh, have all gotten to know very well. Uh, SE has their shortlist. That's not really much of a surprise, I don't think, to anybody. Um, and it's a bummer because it, it could have been such a great opportunity and such a great thing for this community that instead was just, it was okay. And it got a lot of flack. Yeah. Um, I can understand. No, I'm not mad that I wasn't on the list. Oh, yeah. I was never going to be on that list, so I don't <laughs> really care. Um, I would have liked, liked to see some podcasters on there because, you know, our biggest audience isn't on Twitch, but we reach a lot of people. Um, so it would have been cool to see some more podcasters on there. Um, well, especially, I mean, like, and I don't, I don't want to like blow it out of uh, a proportion and go down the route of like we keep your game alive, Square Enix. Like that's ridiculousness. But um, there is a, a a large collection of podcasters out there that have been passionately making content yeah. for this game for the last, I mean, in LBR's case, at least uh, last eight years or you know for a long time ago, uh, and yeah, like. The podcast community has is one that has definitely just been overlooked for the Twitch community. And don't get me wrong, a lot of podcasters are into Twitch now because we have to be because it's hard to make it on just podcasting. Yeah. I wish it wasn't, but it is. It's hard to um, sell advertising. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, find advertising for podcasts. It's really hard. Unless you're like, the big, big ones. Exactly. So I, I get why, but it, it definitely it could have been such a great thing for so many people in this community. And I think maybe that's the really the, the biggest issue with it. You picked about 30 people. Is there any reason it could have been 150 or yeah. 200? Exactly. Like, would that really have broken the event for it to be way more people? Yeah. And Kai saying this event could have been the difference between partner and affiliate for a whole lot of streamers. That could have been really cool. Um, like how cool would that be to make partner uh on twitch because you got an extra boost of 70 extra people watching yep. you for the better part of a month due to this collaboration that would have been awesome uh mcleod says well i think they only choose partners i i think that's a misstep i mean affiliates are a huge part of twitch so why not include them as well um I think maybe the only reason they didn't include everyone in the Final Fantasy XIV directory is maybe they didn't want people to just go in there looking for subs. Maybe people that didn't play Final Fantasy XIV going in there. But honestly, when your goal is just to bring eyes on your game, that's probably what you should have done. That was probably the better business decision. Listen, you could you could make it any Twitch account that has at least affiliate status that is uh, has Final Fantasy fourteen attached to the Twitch account, and they have I don't know one character at level eighty. Those are the requirements. Yeah. I I don't know I don't know I guess you'd have to have them like link up Twitch like some sort of authentication to. Uh, you just I think feel like you just go apply for it. Like they'd have to have an application oh, process for that it. That would have been like, cool yeah. if they had an application process for people to sign up for this collaboration. That would have been cool. Versus just you get the magic email. Yeah. Yeah, that like no one knew about or anything like that. Right. It's just like, oh, all right. These thirty people are awesome. <laughs> Listen, is it gonna is it is it the end of my love affair with Final Fantasy fourteen? Am I gonna leave the community? No. I just came back to the community. But as always and you have always been a, a great about this too on this show when there's bullshit. Yeah. Call it out. I call it out. And it's just to make it better in the future. 
Like, I'm not saying this was a bad event, but there's room for improvement oh, on this event. Yeah. And hopefully if they do it again, they include more people and uh, people that represent the community more as a whole as well. Yeah, I would I would like for it to be a little bit more balanced next time. And frankly, yeah, just more people. Why would you only pick 30? Yeah, just 200, <laughs> 500, a billion. Who cares? Just like what's that? What's the average amount of people streaming in the Final Fantasy 14 directory on an average day? Just like make it that many people. <laughs> Right, exactly. If 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 you go on an average day and there's about you know a thousand people streaming your game, great, make it a thousand people. Yeah. What you're giving away these items anyway? What's it matter? Yeah, they're they're digital goods. They don't cost you anything. That's what I'm saying. As a business, just get as many freaking eyes on there as you can. Yeah, like because because it bonkers. almost feels like they were ranking people, and like picking them somehow. And what was their Boy, ranking? It. What was their ranking uh, criteria? I'd make a terrible joke about comparing it to skin shaders, but, you know, yeah. we're not going to do that. It's a low-hanging fruit, I suppose. A bit. All right. Another reason Final Fantasy XIV has been at the top of MMO gaming news recently, uh, it's not because of anything they've done, uh, but it's because Asmongold of Twitch World of Warcraft streaming fame has finally decided to give Final Fantasy XIV a shot. And here are some headlines this move has created. Oh boy. WoW's biggest streamer will be playing Final Fantasy XIV for the first time this weekend. You know, you really got to look forward to it. And then it I goes... tell you something? I'm so happy that I, uh, in that moment, I am so happy I don't work in games media <laughs> coverage anymore because I would have to write that article yep. and I'd vomit the entire time. <laughs> and then right after that, Asmongold harassed during first Final Fantasy XIV streams. What a shock. Streamers' final, first Final Fantasy XIV experience ruined by idiots. <laughs> to be fair, everyone's first Final Fantasy XIV experience is pretty much ruined by idiots. That's, that's nothing new. And then Final Fantasy XIV has broken its all-time Steam concurrent player record. And okay. then... Asmongold takes over Twitch playing Final Fantasy XIV and makes over 30,000 in one stream. I think that's always the thing to remember, right? Like, uh, it doesn't... Asmongold is going to sit there and laugh all the way to the bank and cash his $30,000 check as you sit there trying to harass him. He doesn't care. It only benefits him. So if you're out there and you're thinking, I'm going to go harass Asmongold, don't be an idiot. It's not going to do you. It's not going to accomplish what you want it to accomplish. I promise you that. Uh, did you I'm, watch any of his streams? So I've never seen an Asmongold stream, uh, except for one. I watched one when I was still playing WoW. I don't get the appeal, if I'm honest with you. I mean, he's fine, but I'm not sure how he made it to be the number one World of Warcraft streamer. Uh, there might be more context to him that I don't understand or know. Um, I think he's okay. Um that said, like, I don't begrudge the guy. Sure, you want to come play Final Fantasy fourteen? Go for it. I know a lot of people are sitting there like, oh, my God, he just trashed on fourteen forever, and now he's coming over because WoW is, is bad. And it's like, I, 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 I worked in this community, and I trashed on it constantly. <laughs> like, I trashed on fourteen for years. No one told me I can't come back. But I don't know, maybe it's because I was here for a while. Like, do your thing, Asmin. Like, I'm, I'm thrilled. Come here. Like, I, I think it's a bummer for anyone who's on Aether and is trying to log in because that's <laughs> no fun. But 
Eh, listen, do your thing, make your make your money. If you come over here and you're a dick, then you know we'll deal with that issue later. But you're allowed to come play the game. So I watched the like semi edited, and they I think they cut out the the boring parts of the stream, put it on YouTube. Watched right. part of his first one, and you know, I, like you said, personally, I don't get it. Uh, um. But nothing on him. He seemed fine enough. He didn't do anything obnoxious by any means. Um, but it was freaking crazy to see how many people were just like, you know how the story goes in the very beginning. You know exactly where a new player is going to be headed, like outside of yep. Limsa Lominsa. And it was just everyone lined up there with their cars, their Final Fantasy 15 cars, causing lag all their mounts and it was oh freaking insane um and i thought he handled everything uh, about as good as he could you know when everyone's killing your ladybugs but uh <laughs> again it's like we just said right like yeah he did handle it well because he's sitting there making thousands yeah. of dollars an hour exactly like I, I got a news for you if i was able to sit there watching my subtotal and my donations coming in at a, at a clip of thousands of dollars an hour my chat could spam my jump scare emote at me as much as they want. I, I'll give them free channel points for days because of that. Like, I, I, you're not going to make me mad when that's happening. So, yeah. And Allura for real says queues are up around 40 to 60 minutes on Cactuar, the server he's on. And that the people harassing him were his trolls, not Final Fantasy 14 regulars. I don't know. There are a lot of Final 15 cars. Uh on the stream that I saw. So I don't, I don't know if his, uh, his trolls were, uh, yeah. buy, buying that from the cash up. Yeah. I'll tell you who I do feel bad for. I feel bad for the newbie on Cactuar starting off in Limsa Lominsa, who's just super confused as to why they can't play the game all of a sudden. Oh, they're saying it's 40 to 60 players, not minutes. Oh, that's, that's how it is on every, every yeah, server right now. That's Mateus every day. Yeah. That's nothing bad at all. I, I, uh, I've got a theory about that too. I think it's a fake queue. Because that shit's been real? that shit's been like that for a while now, and that shit's like that at two a.m. in the morning. <laughs> um, on Mateus, it's not in the morning. And like seven a.m., eight a.m. in the morning, you log in instantly. Yeah, I'm uh, not convinced. The that's only a real reason number. I think it's real is because when I tried to log in to buy my house the day they expanded the housing awards, it was thousands of people deep. I think it just can't handle everyone logging in at the same time. And then I yeah. think like when everyone's like in, uh, mm, I'm not much for conspiracy theories, but that's mine. That's my big conspiracy theory. It's a fake cue. Listen, I'm into it. I think we should, <laughs> I think we'll, we should discover the truth. I don't know how we get to the bottom of it, but, uh, Chili get on that. I was like, we should ask Chili. He works there. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, Overall, I think it's probably nothing but good for Final Fantasy XIV to have Asmongold playing it, bringing new eyes to it. Not everyone that watches his stream is going to go try it, but I think a decent amount are. There's probably a decent amount of his fans that are just his fans. They don't give a shit about what game he's playing. They're probably just going to play whatever he's playing. Yep. And he seems like it's he's giving it a fair try. Um, he's not just bashing on it. He seemed to be into it. So... Yep. I'm all for that. You know who else is all for it? Square Enix is the counting team. Yeah. I'm sure they're thrilled right now. Uh, they should be like doing whatever they can to put more bandwidth towards Cactuar right now. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, I have no <laughs> doubt that there is a tech, a server technician standing around Cactuar, like pouring water on it because it's overheating constantly. Uh, Dark Flex is saying people literally paid five hundred dollars to get into the. Uh, I believe that's Ashes of Creation Alpha to troll him. His viewers have no shame. Man, five hundred dollars <laughs> for that? I jeez, I can't even fathom it. I can't. I can't fathom having people be both wealthy enough and like me enough to throw $500 to play a game alongside me. And don't get me wrong. I just had an amazingly successful fundraiser stream where I had someone donate $400 and I had someone donate $375. And it's like, that's awesome as a one-off thing that I can ask for maybe once a year if I'm lucky. But like, can you imagine that just being your day to day? No, I could not. Streaming must be way easier when you don't have to worry about whether you're going to be able to pay the rent, huh? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's also cool when you can just like put out the call and like you have a million people who just you can fill your group or whatever you want to do. I mean, I, I feel again so fortunate, despite you know my channel's only got 180 some followers, something like that right now. But like, we've already got a pretty healthy uh, cross world link show going on in the nice. game. People join up for whenever we're doing stuff like. It's nice. It's a nice starting point. I can't imagine it being a million people deep. <laughs> yeah, like like that's what I want. Like I want the the community to be able to fill your group whenever you need. I I don't really want. Well, obviously the money would be amazing to have what he has, but uh, sure. like trying to trying to like even moderate a community that big. Like I don't know how you would do it. Got eight mods in my community. I can't imagine what he must need. Yeah. Like, uh, during his stream, like, as soon as he created his character and it was in the beginning cutscene, he started getting, like, a million friend requests from people watching his stream. And he just, like, in his video said, editors take out all of their names from the names popping up for the YouTube video. So you didn't see anyone that was, like, he, oh. he, he didn't want to give anyone the, the free pub or whatever for adding him as a friend. Editors, jeez. <laughs> now that is something I would love to have as an editor for like YouTube. That'd be amazing. Yeah, that that's when you've hit a big baller status. <laughs> that's I think that's it. That's the line. When you start hiring people, that's the line. Um. Well, is there anything you'd want to add to anything we talked about today? No, I think we're good. I think we about covered it. I, where Where are you? Uh, where are you at right now? Like, are, are you are you excited for Endwalker overall, or are you just kind of like in wait and see survival mode? Uh, I'm excited for Endwalker. I personally think I was getting to the point where LBR was at the end of Shadowbringers, being very burned out on the game. I yep. think when you and Aniro came back uh, for Shadowbringers, probably around 5.2. Um, yep. I think it's I think this game's so much better when you can play the story all at once than having to wait yes. for three to four, three and a half, four months in between patches because I don't think there's enough content in each patch to really hold you over that long. Um a lot of it's just kind of bullshit travel here, do this, do that, and there's not much story happening. Um I think it's a much better experience when you can like to compare it to a TV show when you can binge it. Like I, yeah. I would prefer the Netflix model being able to do it all at once. Um, you know, even, or even the weekly model, if I could play it once a week and have a new little story, that'd be amazing. Um, but yeah, it, it was getting to me having to wait so long for what I considered not a lot of story. 
Well, especially through COVID when we had the extra delays and, and everything. So, and also because of COVID having more time at home to play. Uh, so increased demand, less supply. Yeah. Tough times. Yeah. And but it, it was uh, coming back to the game after Stormblood and after the long hiatus uh, really did a world of good. And I'll just say this also having to put uh, program a three hour podcast every week about this game uh we only did an hour and that was hard <laughs> yeah uh, we were up to about three hours or maybe close to two hours by the end because we were struggling but like trying to do that every week necessitated playing every bit of content just and farming it trying to find something to talk about in, in all of it and it led to us being like having to do all the content that we thought was stupid and didn't want to do. And that just led to us being negative all the time yeah. because we needed something to talk about. And it's like, okay, great. This is going to be the Lords of Reminion episode because I got nothing else. <laughs> and there's something to be said. Like, it just doesn't feel good when you get less of something. Like, if you were in a job and they just like slowly whittled away benefits you had, you're like, this fucking sucks. And that's yeah. kind of what they did in 14. Like, we used to have all these more dungeons. Now we don't have those dungeons anymore. And they always said, we're taking these away so we can give you more content. And if that content didn't hit, like Diadem, or at least the yep. first edition of Diadem, the first run of Diadem, yeah. Um, yeah, it just doesn't feel very good. And it was hard to just kind of keep that motivation. And then at the end of it, we kind of were going to once every two weeks. And then, like, during this long hiatus until, what is it, November uh, for the yeah. expansion, we were just like, I think we just need to take a hiatus for our sanity. And and truly, I think I think everyone kind of agreed, too, on, on LBR, where it was just like, if, if we obviously we had the Patreon running and we were trying to uh, set up Checkpoint and figure out what that was going to look like long term. And I was like, if we could have if we felt re that we could have reasonably taken a hiatus, uh, we probably should have. I don't feel like we were in such a mindset of churn, churn, crank out, crank out, yeah. crank out content. We're trying to like make this leap into this bigger space. And it's like, it we needed a hiatus badly. And we just didn't feel like we were in a position where we could take one. And looking back, we probably could have, and it wouldn't have been too big of a deal, but that, that's kind of like just the creator mentality. You feel like if you take a week off, like if you took a month off, you definitely lose every single viewer you ever had. Like, right, yeah, exactly. No one would come back. <laughs> and it's like, we, you, you sometimes forget that like hey, shows, TV shows disappear for six months at a time and come back yeah. bigger than ever. Like, it's probably fine. Definitely about quality more than quantity, but I, I, I get it. I mean, viewers, there's there's so much content out there for a viewer to go to. You do feel that way, that if you take time off, they're going to go somewhere else. But and I'm, I'm trying my best to balance that mindset as I, as I launch my own Twitch channel and work on this, where it's like I am going to try to be as regular as possible and, and stream as often as I can reasonably. But I also don't want to get myself back into burnout, especially if I'm trying to make my living off of this. Yeah. I want to try and have a, a healthy balance of like, you know what? Sometimes I'm going to need a week. Sometimes I'm going to need six days, seven days away from the computer just to rest and relax and, and get back and then come back refreshed and have something interesting and fun to talk about again. Because one, if, one of the biggest things I learned in radio was show hosts they have to go live their life. They have to go do things so that when the, they turn the mic on, they have something to talk about. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I'm going to try to remember as I move forward on my Twitch stream is sometimes every now and then 
we need to take a week off and, and you know, get a list of people and say, hey, watch these streamers for a week. I'll be back in a week. It'll be great. I, I think that's the biggest thing is just communication with the stream. Uh, letting people know that you are going to be gone, communicating that to them. Like if you just don't tell them and you fall off the edge of the earth, and yeah, the people are going to feel slighted. Uh, but if you just communicate, kind of say with in the people, chat, if you give people two weeks notice that hey, hey guys, let's let you know next month. Uh, we got you know three weeks left until next month. Next month, first week of the month, I'm going to be taking a week off, uh, rest, recharge my batteries. I'll be back in the second week of the month, and we'll pick up like we left off. Yeah. Like perfect, you're fine. And I think you're going to have a better stream if you do do that. Uh, even I even felt it this week, right? I streamed every day last week. I streamed uh, Monday every day. And then we did a huge uh, streamathon over the weekend where we did uh, tw over 20 hours of streaming in two days. And then uh, on Wednesday, when I came back and did my first stream back, I was still a little burned out where I was mm -hmm. still like, I'm not my usual high energy self today yeah like that's interesting you you do feel it and maybe that's just not being 24 anymore because when i was 24 i could go every night and it didn't matter but man do i feel it at 31 and especially if you feel like there's other parts of your life that you're like letting slip away a little bit because you're trying to concentrate on it, it gets hard you know i'm married yeah. like that's a big part of my life now it's like got got stuff to do <laughs> yep so we're uh, gonna we're gonna find the right balance to still create a, a an amount of content that is that is worthwhile for everyone who tunes in and still create good content that doesn't just sound burned out and tired. Amazing, and so let's talk about the LBR reunion episode. Uh, sure. You were on that, and <laughs> so a new Patreon got launched for LBR. Uh, I think it's already like made most of the goals that it had already uh, for bring, for bringing back content. So are you going to be part of that if it goes to every other week or every month? So I'll, I guess I'll, I'll say a little bit. Um, uh, this, those discussions haven't been had as to whether I'd be part of it. Um, we haven't talked about it. Uh, as far as I know, it, it'll, it'll end up being a Nero and, and some you know, conglomeration of talent. I don't know if he's talked to other people or if Nika and Strife are interested that I'll leave that to them to announce because I haven't heard it. I don't know. Um, I will say that uh, I don't know that I would ever come back to doing like, to being like a main host and being on there every week, you know, week in and week out or however often they do it. Uh, I'm going to have a lot of focus on building my brand and working on that. However, I will never, ever forget where I come from. Yeah. I uh, LBR is intrinsic to me. I, I said it on Maelstrom the other week because uh, they had they put out a call for people to do videos or audio bits for their 150th episode. Mm -hmm. And uh, my first thought was like, oh, I wonder how much I could roast them and still have it be in good taste. <laughs> and like, I realized like you can take the girl off LBR, but you can't take the LBR out of the girl. So... Um, I, anytime they do a reunion episode or anything like what they were doing a couple weeks ago, I, I let, uh, Nero know you, it, you don't even have to ask it's a yes. I'll, I'll be there for it. Like, so yes, you will see me more on LBR. I will be back. I will do things with them. I just may not be a main host. That is good to hear that. You'll at least be there occasionally. Yeah, absolutely. Like I will like uh, LBR launched my career in every way, shape and form. And there is no chance that I would say no to a or I would never say no to uh, a guest appearance or something like sure. that. 
So as you said, you're building your brand. People can find yes. Callie over at twitch.tv slash Escalia, E-S-K-A-L-I-A. Yep. And uh, so you said you're going to definitely be going to be, be playing some uh, Final Fantasy fourteen. Are you going to do more of a variety stream? Uh, uh, so we're looking to start streaming five days a week. Uh, the, the stream officially launches, by the way, uh, on uh, July 21st, which is my 32nd birthday. Uh, it's coming up here in, a, in just a couple weeks. Uh, next week, I'm going to be finishing the studio build. And then Sarah and I are taking a quick vacation to go uh, head out to Bristol Renaissance Fair. If you happen to be in the Wisconsin area and are going to be attending Bristol Renaissance Fair, make sure you uh, let me know so that we can stop and say hi and do a picture or something like that. Um, but uh, after that, I'll be coming back, uh, and Wednesday, July 21st, will be the official launch day of the stream, and after that, we'll be streaming Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We'll be doing uh, LBR, or not LBR, we'll be doing Final Fantasy fourteen a couple nights a week, we'll be doing a D&D night, uh, we'll be doing, and then variety stream probably the other two days. And as Kelly has mentioned, they are very into role play. so if you have any interest in that, that's going to be a great follow for you. Our, uh, our, our brand is built on five major tenets. It is on video games, film, tabletop and role play, uh, sex and kink positivity, and LGBTQIA inclusivity. So if those five tenets are kind of your thing, then I highly recommend you check it out. Also join our Discord because uh, that's what everyone else there is into as well. Uh, if those five things are not your thing, maybe you check out someone else. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's what we're going to be doing, so... And I can, I've listened to LBR for a long time. Callie's freaking hilarious. So just make sure you go give it a follow. You're going to have a fun time no matter what. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, I know you've been making the podcast rounds. Are you going to be anywhere next? Uh, stop is Aetherite. Um, okay. I was supposed to originally do their show tomorrow, Saturday the 10th. Um, I, we pushed back though. I believe I am now Saturday. The 24th is my episode. Yes. Yeah, Saturday, the 24th. Uh, so just a couple days after the channel launches officially, I'm going to be joining them, uh, for an episode. And that's kind of the end of my podcast rounds for right now. <laughs> we'll, uh, I'll be, the books are back open. If anyone out there uh, needs a guest host, let me know. All right. Awesome. Anyone else you would like to plug tonight? I do actually just want to say uh, the biggest thank you I can to Limit Break Radio, uh, who you can check out at Limit Break Radio or on stream at twitch.tv slash Limit Break Radio. I don't get to do any of this without them. And I want to send the biggest thank you in the world, both to my wonderful wife, Sarah, and to the many fans who have already become as casuals uh, and are hanging out. Some of them here in the chat tonight who uh, really went the extra mile hanging out with me last weekend and helping us raise money to build the studio. I have the most unbelievable fan base in the world. We'd love to add you to it. And uh, I hope you'll come check things out with us. Awesome. And I will link everything for Escalia in the show notes. So you, if you didn't write it down, you'll be able to check out the show notes, find out where she is. Oh, and I got one shout out for my community roundup. It's to someone in my community, Batkid01. You saw him gift a gift sub earlier. It's his birthday today, so I want to give a big happy birthday to Batkid out there. Thank you so much for always being a great part of the She Heals iTank community. And with that, I think that's going to be it for this episode. As always, we have enjoyed hanging out with all of you live here on Twitch. So thank you for spending your time with us. Be sure to hit that follow button so you know the next time we'll, we will be going live. 
And a big thank you to everyone listening to the podcast through iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or whatever app you choose to consume your shit on. Uh, we, You really are the reason we keep making episodes. Remember, wherever you do listen, it would mean a shit ton to us if you give our little shit podcast a rating or review. Or, you know, just told a friend to check us out. Here with Callie, I'm Vegan Pete, and we will talk to you next week. Well, not anymore. It'll be in maybe a, maybe a month or so of a special episode. Uh, I'll talk to you soon, y'all. Have a good night.